All right. So I was uh, preparing this, and we were talking about doing this anyway, and then it just happened to work out that way. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. So, I want you to know that there's nothing special about this. You see, what, this is a, a really nasty wafer and some subpar grapefruit juice, or uh, grape juice, excuse me. There's really nothing special about this. This one's open because I was, um, I had anointed all four of the doorposts here and then the door that enters this place. So I'm going to read this to you. This is Exodus 12, 21. And then Moses called the elders and he said to them, go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans. Kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it into the blood and in the basin and touch the two door post with the blood. None of you shall go out of that door until the next morning. For the Lord will pass through and strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on your doorpost, the Lord will pass over. And he will not allow the destroyer to enter your house and strike you. You shall observe this right and as a statue for you and for your sons forever. And when this comes, excuse me, and when you come into the land the Lord will give you, as he promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, why do we do this service? You shall say, it is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people in Israel, in Egypt, of Israel, in Egypt, when it was the sacrifice. When the Lord struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people in Israel went and did so. And the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. And at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. So there's nothing special about what I'm holding here. This is, this is like I said, it's gross cracker and it's some grape, grape juice. But it is what we do with it that changes, you know, we, we don't believe this turns into the blood of Christ as, as we drink it. No, it, it's not about that. This is all ceremonial and remembrance. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. We don't do this because we need, um, we don't do this because we just take it because we want to take it. We do this because it isn't something that we do because it's a ritual. We do it because it's, it's something that we remember what he did. And so if you look, the first communion wasn't about, I shouldn't say communion, the first time sacrifice that God really asked for sacrifice wasn't, um, wasn't about us remembering what God was doing. He was, he was asking them to paint the blood of the, of the sacrificial lamb over their doorpost because he was saying, I will pass over you and I will protect you. I will, I, will, I will protect you, but whoever doesn't is going to die. Can you imagine, if you, if you read the different scriptures, it talks about the wailing that came out of Egypt that next morning. Can you imagine hearing that sound of the Israelites? Here's the thing is, the Israelites didn't live in their own area. They were in, they were in 
encompassed and encroached on by the Egyptians. They lived with their Egyptian captors. Can you imagine the wailing they heard that morning when they woke up or waking up to the wailing? It was the 10th and final plague. And at that moment, Pharaoh, if you read farther into Exodus 12, um, Pharaoh said, go. He knew he had seen the power of God finally, and he was willing to just say, go. I don't want to, I'm not going to fight against him anymore because I can't, I can't even touch what he's starting to do. Think about this. Every firstborn that wasn't covered in that doorpost was a sacrifice, was given, was, death came in and took. First Peter 2, 23 through 25 says this. It says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued to entrust himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we are healed, for you are, were like strange sheep, but you now have returned to the shepherd and an overseer of your souls. So when we, when we look at this, and we're not going to do this this week, so I didn't just bring one for all of us to share. Um, <laughs> we'll wipe the cup and turn. <laughs> no. um, yeah, we're not going to. I'll break this little wafer into pieces for all of you. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, so... This I had this in my backpack because I have a couple in my backpack, and um, I was I was thinking about it. And during worship, I, I opened this up and I, and I went to the doorpost and I wiped it. And he, this is not our house, but it is our house. This this is a, this is a spiritual house, whether it is not our house or not. And we're, we're basically what I'm doing is I'm saying, you know what, we're not going to allow that to come into our house we're not going to allow sickness and death to come into our house and yes it's just a symbol but there's something about symbols and what you do with what you're what you have and here's the thing is i know his body was broken for us and i know his blood was spilled for us I think sometimes we forget about what Jesus did. His blood wasn't just, you know, he, we have these really vague pictures of him on the cross and him on the cross and, and he, he has a little bit of blood on his face. No, his blood was spilled. Think about this. You take a glass of water and you spill it. There's a lot there. We, we, crucifixion isn't, isn't this this little, you know, 17th century painting of, of Jesus on the cross. You, you, you have to think about these, these crosses that they were on, these cross beams and these, these uh, vertical beams, they were saturated in blood because blood was spilled. Romans were good at spilling blood. They knew how to spill blood. They were trained and they were groomed to spill blood from a young age. So when they spilled blood, they did it well. We have to, we think about soldiers and fighting where they're like oh it's just horrible we don't understand medieval warfare we look at uh, um, revelation and it says that the valley of blood there will be blood up to the horse's bridles we don't understand if you read history and you read um there's uh some um 
medieval history about the Romans, they would literally drain blood from people. They were torturers. So when, when they said his blood was spilled for us, it has to coincide with the Romans because they were good at what they did, even though it was wrong and it was evil. They were good at what they did. And his blood was spilled. His body was broken. It had to be both. It couldn't be, oh, well, his body was broken. They could have broke his arms, his legs, and, oh, now we're done, but no. His son had to be broken and spilled for us. It had to be done that way for the atonement, for the sacrifice, for the ultimate letting of blood to cover us. I'm going to read you Isaiah 53. This is verse 1. It says, Who has believed that he was heard, heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him or no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by man a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and one whom men would hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement of our peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have turned ever, to everyone, to our own ways. And the Lord had laid it upon him, the iniquity of us all. So his body, when he was on that cross and before, if we read the, 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 the start of Jesus' grief, I talked about this at, at Easter, he was in the garden praying and he was overcome with grief and his body started to bleed before that. He was sweating drops of blood. The immense stress and pressure that is put on a person that they would start to sweat blood. I can't imagine that. You ever been so nervous you just started sweating? You know, you're, as a little kid, you know you're going to get in trouble and you're just like, oh no, you know. Or as an adult, you're just like so nervous going into something and you're, you're starting to, to get, start to sweat. But think about, the, think about the, the immense pressure that is, what is happening is this, is God's hand is starting to slowly remove off of his son. So what's happening is, is Jesus is, is at the, Last Supper with his disciples and he's talking to them and they have their, their, the first communion. So what's happening is, is this, is Jesus is, is now showing them that, hey, we no longer have to take the blood and you, have to, you don't have to spread it on your door, but this is now what's going to happen. You're going to remember this. So what's happening is, is this, is Jesus has the supper, he breaks the bread, gives it to them, um, gives them the cup and they drink from it. But what happened is Jesus goes back to the, goes to the garden and what's happening is the hand of God starts to remove from him. It starts to 
take the, the, the pressure of and the weight of what's going to happen starts to come off of, or excuse me, starts to be released upon Jesus. And so it starts to break and put pressure on. So Jesus was saying, my body will be broken for you. And the pressure starts to be put on Jesus. And he starts to sweat drops of blood. And he starts to wonder why his, his friends can't stay up and pray with him for an hour, two hours. Because the pressure was taken off of them and put to him. And then he's taken. And we, we read about everything that happened to Jesus, the different trials that were all illegal within the Jewish law. The Roman trials were illegal. The, the Jewish trials were all illegal. But then his body starts to break. They start to whip him. They start to beat him. They start to flog him. They start to put the crown of thorns on him, and his body starts to break. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. He's telling them, this is, my body is being broken for you. They had no clue what is going on. But he says, my body is being broken for you. The immense pressure that's being put on Jesus. Think about this. He's not just dealing with in, um, a physical pain of being beaten. He is now having the hand of God removed from him. The grace that is covering him, the grace to do what he needs to do is now being pulled away from him. Think about this. When you, when you're in your fa- when you live in your father's house, there is a covering and there's a grace in your father's house when you're in his sight. But think about this. When he removes his hand from you, when he removes his hand from you, what happens? You, do, you have to start to do this on your own. And what had to happen was God had to turn his face from his son. And a lot of people don't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about that, yes, Jesus was broken for us, but God rejected his own son. He he basically said, you know, I'm I'm not going to do this anymore. I can't. I have to reject him in order for him to do what he's been called to do. But his body is being broken. It's being crushed. And, and don't, don't fool yourself into thinking that the Romans were, did anything kind to him while he was in their, their care. But Jesus is, is now dealing with the, the waning hand of God coming off of him. And while he's on the cross... He says, my father, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your back on me? Why have you turned your face from me? If you look at Old Testament, you know, a lot of times you'll see in certain translations, it says the face of God to shine on you. The face of God to not turn from you. And Jesus, one person who's being crushed, who's being bruised, who's being beaten, who's being drained of what is in him. If you look at in, in Jewish culture, blood is life. If you look at regular 
our bodies, if we don't have enough blood, we're not living. But he's being crushed, he's being bruised, he's being beaten. And then he has the, the emotional and mental pain of the father starting to turn his back on him. But this is just juice and a wafer. But it's what we do with it. It's how we remember what he did for us. That makes it something special. Nothing magical, nothing spiritual in this little whatever this is. But it's our hearts turning towards our Father, turning towards Jesus when we do this and saying, you know what? You were broken for us. You were bruised for us. Your body was drained of blood for us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, he says, For I pass on to you what I have received from the Lord myself. On the night that he was betrayed, the Lord took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup of wine saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people in agreement confirmed with, with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as you drink it often. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. So, what this is, is the body of Christ broken. But this, his blood, was the beginning of the new covenant that we had with God. It wasn't just, oh, well, now he's broken, we've got to remember him. No, we're remembering what he's done for us. Not what he did, what he's done for us. Not what happened to him, but what he did for us. We know what happened on the cross. We can read that. But I think sometimes we take for granted what he did with what Paul is saying here with the communion is we forget what he did for us. That by his blood being spilled for us, it was a new it opened up a new day, a new dawn, a new era for us to spend with him. Think about this. The, the temple curtain ripped from bottom to top. But think about it. This is a four-inch solid curtain. We're not talking like, you know, this little black curtain right here behind us that, you know, you can run your fingernail over and maybe cut it. We're talking a four-inch thick curtain that rips when he passes, when he dies. What, he was, what that was symbolizing is that God is no longer separated from man, that God is now out in the open for man to see, that man can access God, that he doesn't have to, to have a priest go into the Holy of Holies for him and say, God, forgive these people because they have sinned. Man can now go to God and say, Father, forgive me because I have sinned. Yes, 
communion is, is, is a ritual that we do is something so small, but it emphasizes something so huge that we don't even understand, we can't even wrap our heads around what he has done for us. I think so many times we, we try to wrap our heads around God and say, well, you know, this is what God's going to do for me and this is what God did. No, you have no clue what God did for you. If God has saved your life, you still don't have a, a clue on what God did for you. You don't know what went on in the background. You don't know what he was doing. You don't know how he was ministering because we cannot wrap our head around what God did. And when we try to wrap our head around what communion is, don't. Just do it as a celebration and a remembrance of what you know he's done for you. Don't be like, well, God, what did you do? No, just shut your mouth, shut your mind, and just say, you know what, God, thank you for what you did for me. Because we don't know what works in the background. We don't see what Jesus is doing in the background. It says he still makes intercession for us. Think about this. 2,000 years ago, he died for us. And he still makes intercession for us, even before we were born. But we do this in saying, you know what? He is our conquering Savior. He is the Prince of Peace. His blood is redeemed, or excuse me, has redeemed us. His body was broken for us, so we wouldn't have to be. Think about this. He went to hell. He went to friggin' hell. <laughs> he went to hell for us. He spent time in hell for us. So we wouldn't have to spend eternity there. That alone, if he did nothing else for us, if he didn't heal us, he didn't uh, do anything like that, the fact that he went to hell for us uh, enough is more than enough. But he took his body there, broken as a sacrifice, his blood spilled, and took it to hell. Spent some time in hell. Said, oh, by the way, I'm done. We're going to, you can't do this anymore. This is, I won, even though the enemy thought he won. And then he shows back up and says to Mary, don't put your hands on me. I still haven't been back to my father. Literally, Jesus hadn't been back to his father to say, hey, look, I finished it all. So when we, when we take this little cup and we take this little rice cake, I don't know what that even is, but when we take that little wafer, when we take that, it's like, just take a moment to stop and think about it. Stop and think about what he has done for you. Stop and think about what he is still doing for you, where he's brought you from to what you were. Because his body was given for you. His blood was given to cover you. And as Isaiah says, by his stripes we were healed. So when we look at this, this communion, when we take communion next week, I want you guys to 
Think about this week. What you are thankful for. Not, well, I got a new car. I'm so thankful. Yes, I understand. What I'm talking about is what God has done for you, when you're th- what you're thankful for, what he's done for you. But I also want you to come with two, I want you to come with two things, being what you're thankful for. And when we take communion, what you're still waiting on God to do in, in your life. If you need healing next week, we're going to take communion and we're going be- to pray and we're going to believe that God is going to heal. Because we're going to remember what his blood did for us. We're going to remember what his body did for us. And we're going to cl- declare that we have what he s- already did for us. So we don't have to be. If you have sickness, we're going to declare that you are s- not sick. So this is just a, a, a quick moment of us saying, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. You know, we don't have to, what I think a lot of people are afraid of is, well, I, haven't, I have to take communion. I have to be perfect in order to take communion. There's this weird, there's this weird thing about people, and they say, if I, if I have anything in my life, I, I can't take communion because I, no, God is asking you for repentance. He's not asking you for perfection. He's asking you for repentance. And he's asking you to remember what he's done. So when we take communion, we're going to believe that God is going to heal, set free, and deliver like he said he would. Why take it and not think about that? Why take communion and not, and not believe for what God has said he has already done for us that we will have it happen? This is a remembrance, but it's also an act of faith. Paul said, for every time you eat and drink this bread and, excuse me, eat the bread and drink the cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. We're saying, this is what God did for us. He, st- he, he healed us, he set us free, but he's coming back to deliver us. So you guys have a job. Remember this until next Sunday. Be th- come with one thing that when we take communion that you're praising God for and one thing that you're believing for. If you need healing next week, we're going we're to believe for that. We're going to pray for that. I love how when we take this cup and we take that bread that we can remember the goodness of God 2,000 years ago in our life today. We can be thankful for what he's doing in us today, not just 2,000 years ago, because it is still working. His blood is still working. His body, was, it, his body broken is still working for us. What if Jesus didn't work for so long and then be like, oh, well, it's, it's past that time. No, the blood of Jesus still works and still covers us. It still works in, in our lives. It still redeems us because it was one final sacrifice. Let's pray.